0: That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, Visit lease.ctaxshops.com.
1: Advocates are pushing for more equity when it comes to the cannabis industry in Washington State, and they are supporting a current bill in the state legislature that they believe will bring significant money and resources to underserved communities and those most impacted by the war on drugs. With this morning, top of this issue is Paula Sardinas, Chief Advocate for the Washington Build Back Black Alliance. Good morning, Paula.
2: Good morning, Chris. How are you? I am doing wonderful on this good Friday.
1: (laughs) That's a good thing. Paul, uh, when voters in Washington State passed I-502, the state of Washington became the second state in the country to legalize recreational marijuana and open up the opportunity for people to enter what has proven to be a very lucrative business opportunity. Unfortunately, those opportunities were limited to a small segment of our population.
2: Absolutely, Chris. Um, in the decade now since we passed I-502, 556 licenses issued. Um, only about nine of those licenses or less than 2% are in the hands of the BIPOC community. We believe Washington, like many of the other states, missed the opportunity to include equity and to focus the
1: lens on restorative justice in the war on drugs in the black and brown community. Right. Now, the states right now as we speak Uh, is in the process of issuing, I believe, 44, 45, uh, what they're calling equity licenses. Uh, Can you talk about uh, uh, the significance of that? Absolutely. In 2020, we became
2: uh, the fourth state to create a social equity program. Um, I was co-chair of the Social Equity Task Force, and that program focused on those who were initially denied a license because they had a cannabis or other arrest in their background, It focused on areas where we had um, disproportionality. We're talking about high school dropout rates, um, high rates of incarceration for uh, marijuana. You know, areas that we know are black and brown, right, that are disproportionately impacted. And so licenses out of the 556 that were canceled, revoked, or never issued can be issued under this program of 35 licenses. When we ran the bill in 2020 today, um, there are 45 licenses. The licensing period opened up on March the 1st. It will close on the 27th of April. I, I believe there are close to 2,000 applications for those 45 licenses. So, working with Ollie Garrett, um, the Washington State LCD board member, we realized that's not going to be enough. So, we've got a new bill that would add 52
1: additional licenses to that retail store pool. Right. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit because there are those um, who believe that those social equity licenses, what they're doing, They would believe that the state is doing enough, but there are people um, like yourself and who, and like Ollie, who says that the issuance of these forty-some social equity licenses is a good first step, but not doesn't necessarily go far enough to bring about true equity in this industry.
2: Absolutely, Chris. When we look at the six or seven states that in twenty twenty three that have done this, California, Massachusetts, Illinois. Uh, Colorado, who um, Jim Jim Bailey, who's a dear friend, has a webinar today. No one has had a successful social equity program. What do I mean by that? No one has issued up to 100 licenses. What we believe Washington State is doing is a trendsetter from the state. We modeled a lot of our policy after Illinois, who um, is currently in litigation, A lot of our policy after um, New York, which had a phenomenal program that gave away 50% of those licenses, but they haven't even issued the first one, and Massachusetts that is just now getting their program online. And what I would say to community, you know, after a decade of being locked out of an industry that has made, you know, a billion dollars plus year over year, so you're talking 10 to 15 billion, and the 10 years the program's been in existence, this is a good first step. I think you have to do something and be successful at it and prove to this this overwhelmingly white legislature that this works. I think we have to go back on programs like yours and listen to the community and tweak the program with community participation, co-creation and input. But it's like any time when you're blazing a trail for something, we have to keep pressing on for a greater power um, we were able to create a $200 million community reinvestment program. And the CRA came from my banking background. CRA is a banking term. We swept the Cannabis Trust, and we said what we really wanted were the investment from cannabis revenue. Well, 45 more stores generate additional tax dollars, as Washington is the highest-tax state. That will create more revenue in that Cannabis Trust. 33% of that uh, money is for the general, general revenue fund, Chris, And those are dollars that the Constitution allows us to sweep for any purpose or any cause with a simple proviso. I say to the community that it is an and um, plus, not an and or. You need additional licenses. You need additional language to continue to ask for revenue from the Cannabis Trust Fund. And those revenues need to be invested in community um, organizations, in nonprofits, in ancillary businesses, in black and brown communities that have borne the brunt of the harm by the war on drugs, this is really about restorative justice and economic opportunities
1: right and uh, let's talk a little bit about when you talk about and and you, I know you talked about some overall numbers uh, you might not be able to spill uh, drill down specifically to uh, a specific like single retailer, but in general, you know how much money are we talking about uh, in terms of somebody going into the cannabis industry from a retail perspective uh, and having, you know, that type of gross revenue um, coming in. And then the second part of the question is, you know, there are those who are looking at this issue of equity as it relates to the cannabis industry, similar to how they were looking at uh, the war on drugs and how different drugs were treated, right? When you had, for instance, crack cocaine, the most uh, penalized people were those were dealing with crack cocaine but there was you know far fewer penalties and far less emphasis on people who were uh participating in the distribution and monetization of the source product which is just regular powder cocaine um and this looks kind of you know similar where you've got people who are coming in um who are making large amounts of money uh, in the cannabis industry but it's you know the same type of people who were dealing uh, that people in in the perception of people that say the same type of people who were making all the money for powder cocaine are the same. I'm not saying they're the same individuals, but the same type of people from similar groups and circumstances who are benefiting now from the cannabis industry.
2: Absolutely. So I want to take it take your question in um, small chunks if I can. We're able to look at the data. So I'll give you King County, for instance. Um, you know, the last report that I had, you had 133 retailers in King County. Um, they were averaging averaging $42 million a month. Um, do the math. You had 45 retailers in Pierce County. They were averaging $20 million a month. There is a lot of revenue in these high-traffic areas, so can 42 retailers averaging 17.5 million a month. there is, And and I give you those counties because those are also the counties when you look at the correlation. King County had a 2.8 times arrest multiple for African-Americans for marijuana. So Cannes County had an eight-time arrest multiple, meaning African-Americans were eight times more likely to be arrested for marijuana than someone white. Pierce County had a four-times arrest multiple. So it is ironic that the counties where black people were most arrested now are deriving the largest amount of revenue from legal cannabis stores. It's it's insulting at best, criminal at worst. And so we believe that black and brown folks should be able to go back into those counties where marijuana is legal. They should be able to have a cannabis business, pay their taxes, hire from their community, and be able to put those dollars back into those communities. And when I do this, I also do restorative justice work. And I say when you go back to 1980 and the war on drugs and you look at 40 years of an African-American man's life, what is the cost of restorative justice and freedom? Um, the time that he's lost with his children, the time that he's lost with his mother, his church, and his community. What is the cost of that restorative justice? And so we have to be able to have not just the opportunity to own a business and answering businesses in these populous counties, but we've also got to continue to look at that Cannabis Trust Fund and to say you've invested billions of dollars into this fund for nearly 10 years. We're not going to stop by just asking for $200 million. There has to be other forms of recompense That make people whole, Chris, who may never own a store, who may never own a farm, who don't want to derive um, anything from the operation of a can of business, but they still absolutely deserve to benefit from the dollars those benefits generate. And those are your black churches who took care of the black families. Those are our black media and our our black press who carry the black stories, right? So we've got Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're uplifting those stories and saying we will continue to ask for the millions of dollars in the trust. That you've built up over a decade to give to folks who may never want any type
1: of license in this business because
2: it's really about restorative justice
1: right now paula let's talk a little bit about uh the uh bill in the legislature uh that's currently under consideration uh ESFB 5080 uh and if passed by the legislator and signed by the governor you know what would this bill do to increase equity and address some of the issues that you've talked about this morning
2: well, first of all, let us give a big shout out to the medium. Um, the bill had stalled on Saturday when we reached out to you. Uh, came up with a lot of opposition. The op-ed, it changed minds and it changed hearts. This bill is going to create 52 additional cannabis retail licenses. Those licenses can be used in the state where a local jurisdiction will accept a store. So unlike the original licenses where you were tethered, if you get this license, you can move it to anywhere in the county. It extends the program to 2032 because I wanted to recapture the three years that the social equity program lost as we were having what I would call unmeaningful debate. I don't think that time should be borne on the back of the poorest, brownest Washingtonians. It creates um, additional funding for the technical assistance program, making sure that those who get a license get funding to be successful in this business. It also continues the mentorship program that is overseen by Commerce program would also create 100 uh, producer licenses and 10 processing licenses. Currently, producer processor licenses are not in the social equity program, meaning that you can have black-owned, black-grown cannabis in your black retail stores, or as I say, black-owned everything, right? We mm-hmm. redefine uh, what it means to be a social equity applicant by adopting some of the language that we see from SBA. So these are really small businesses, meaning a high rate of poverty, participation in income-based federal or state programs, high rate of unemployment, high rate of of arrest and conviction um, around our disproportionately impacted area. Because we heard from communities that some of the communities in the CID, some of the communities around Garfield may have been unintentionally left out. So we wanted to tweak that language to make sure that we are taking care of those who are most impacted by the war on drugs. It does something that the last bill did not do, which it waives the application fee 100% for a social equity applicant. Again, this comes from input that we've received from community members from Spokane to Bellingham, um, saying that we hear your voices, we recognize your pain, we want to be able to go back and try to make people whole as much as possible. So it would lift the cap from 556 licenses to 608 licenses. It will be the first time since I-502 we've lifted the cap. But it also would give the LCB the opportunity to come back to the legislature, looking at your most populous cities and counties, and based on their population growth, be able to lift the cap for retail stores every three years, meaning that we can grow industry and the cannabis businesses for the social equity program as our population and our census grows. Um, I I think having worked on this policy from its inception, Chris, and having been a cannabis advocate since 1996, this is really some of the most forward-thinking language. It shows intentionality. It shows racial reconciliation and restorative justice that I've seen um, outside of the program that they probably have in New York. Um, and, I, and I hats off to you know, former Governor Cuomo who led that passage there, um, where he out of the gate is giving half of the license and half of the money to his citizens. What I tell uh, the folks in Washington is that we have a population of 7.5 million. We're less than 400,000 population of African-American. And so we get the best policy, best on what we can get those folks to vote for in Olympia. But we are always fighting um, the battle for blackness and liberation. And so we do this uh, with our own communities and our hearts and our minds. And we believe we're trying to get
1: the best policy humanly possible for the BIPOC community. Right. And and Paula, uh, what is the status uh, of the bill right now? And, you know, for those who may not be aware that, you know, that process, uh, the legislative Uh. process in Olympia is... um, (laughs) is is a bumpy road full of um, trap doors, locked doors, um, and jail cells a lot of times. (laughs)
2: Well, in order for a bill to become law, I was counting as I was talking to you. So this bill has now had 17 stops, meaning it has been touched, heard, debated, voted. We're on stop number 17. The bill is now what we call Rule 2, which means it passed its appropriation committee without any amendments again. Um, I, I cannot say enough, uh, Chris, thank you, thank you, thank you to the Seattle medium. Everyone in the um, House of Representatives got a copy of our op-ed. It moves some people to tears. The, if you have not seen Representative April Berg's speech and appropriation, she links this to the work of Dr. Martin Luther King. You need to hear it. I'm being told they are prepping this bill for a vote on the full floor next week. Um, and the, the floor speeches, please tune into tv.org. tvw.org. Um, to the House floor session. The the speeches will be epic. There will be black men and women speaking about their lived experience with their constituents to the war on drugs. Representative Intiman, Representative Christine Reeves, Representative April Berg. You will hear these stories based on what is going on with their constituents. Uh, We expect the bill to receive a favorable House vote. We're asking folks to reach out to Speaker Lori Jenkins and to remind her this is really important to the black and brown community. Um, Then we have a process called reconciliation because we just tweaked it a little bit where we will confer with the Senate. And then this bill will go to Governor Jay Inslee for signature. Um, And and again, this will make even with the 45 licenses that are being issued now, the provisions of this bill make those licenses portable because 26 of those 45 licenses are in areas where they have bans and moratoriums. So with the 45 licenses that we're currently issuing, this bill will mean that those folks can move their license to any county that will accept it. It will bring on board 52 additional retail licenses in 2024 and 110, the combination of 100 processor, 10 producer processor licenses online in 2025 with an extension of every three years to raise those caps. So I will be going back doing community um, engagement and outreach through the Washington Bill Back Black Alliance organizations like the Urban League or Table 100, Burr Bar Place, asking community, is this enough? What do you want? And making sure that we are advising the, L- the LCB so that we can have the right number of licenses and the right number of economic opportunities for the black and brown
0: community, Chris.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Paula, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Thank you for bringing this information to our community. Thank you for all the work that you and others have been doing Uh, In relation to this issue uh, as well, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you uh, once again to provide the name of the speaker uh, and how people should reach out to uh, how they can reach out to their legislators in their district where they reside or to the Speaker uh, of the House uh, if they would like to weigh in on this issue.
2: Absolutely. Speaker of the House uh, is Lori Jenkins. That's Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E dot Jenkins, J-I-N-K-I-N-S. At ledge.wa.gov. I know that a lot of our local mayors, uh, shout out to Mayor Woodard, shout out to Mayor Harrell, have reached out to her to, to let them know that this bill is important. You can go to Washington State Legislature, just type it into your browser, um, and then click on um, Get Involved, put in your address and pull up your district. But contact your local state representative. You can contact me at Paula Fardinas, that's P-A-U-L-A s a r d i n a s at comcast.net send me your ideas good or bad i want to hear your voice if you feel we're doing a good job or if you feel we're not doing enough uh, we are for the people by the people we can't make policy for you or about you without you so we want to hear your voice and make sure that we're moving these bills in the directions that you would happen to go and again um, support your local media we would not i don't believe we would have been able to move this bill and defeat the amendments if it had not been the collaborative partnership of the Seattle Medium. So again, support your local Black media. Thank you, Chris.